Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. I'm your host, Rachel Mummert, and joining me again today is Pete the Retailer from Star Wars Minute. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for having me back. And we have today the whole reason <laughs> why we brought you on at this specific moment in time for some enchanted evening. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> it was supplied in your mandate, so... I don't know why, um, why does this, I mean, I, I guess we'll talk about why this hits me so much, why this is, um, you know, I, on the on the last one, we were talking about, you know, my relationship with this movie, and I, I think for uh, for years, I remember, like, if you were to ask me what I, you know, like, oh yeah, American Graffiti, and I was like, oh yeah, that thing where, where Harrison Ford sings Some Enchanted Evening, like, yeah, it was like yeah. significant part of it in my head, at least, you know, I, from from being a teenager, maybe that was one of the things that clicked with me. And it's funny, because, you know, you think... You know, not if you hadn't seen this growing up, you know, if you came into it, like I did, you know, later in life after seeing Star Wars and such, it's like, oh, yeah, that movie where, you know, Harrison Ford's in it. And it's like, well, he's not really, <laughs> if you're if you're watching it because he's in it, I'm sorry, you're going to be a little disappointed because he's not <laughs> in it right. a whole, whole But he does lot. sing. Yes, he has. Me- I mean, when he's in it, it's memorable. So <laughs> I know when I, the, one of the first parts that I covered when he was in it, we talked about his accent and how mm. it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, is that like, was he adding a little twang <laughs> twang to it? Because, you know, I, I'm sure you talked about that he is wearing a cowboy hat because he didn't want to get a haircut. Yep. <laughs> and that, yeah. So that was in his contract. They're like, all right, you don't have to get a haircut if you come do the movie. And so like, does, is he like, all right, well, I'm going to wear a cowboy hat. So I'll talk a little twangy. Yeah. And he's, you know, supposed to be the, you know, the cool hot rod racer guy too. So out of town. So that's. Yeah. So a former guest of mine, oh, Brian Lockhart, we recorded. And I want to get your thoughts on this, um, this headcanon. So <laughs> we kind of idealize you know what if somewhere in this movie we have bob falfa and somewhere in the movie you know we see him go home and then he goes in and we meet his dad his dad al (laughs) and then you know it's like oh here's al mr al falfa and then you know bob falfa comes home takes his hat off and wouldn't you know he has that same infamous cowlick so you know we get to learn the whole background of mr mr falfa (laughs) i like it i'm adding that to my head canon right now I thought you were going to try to add it to the to the kind of uh, you know the ever growing fever dream campaign because oh. there's a there was speculation about that forever ago also that it's like all right we'll be because like Bob Falfa Boba Fett what's the there's some connection there maybe like Boba Bob oh gosh I gotta write this down I'm gonna <laughs> not sure what uh, it, it's it's a thin connection although he does play that similar you know he's he's the cool guy with a with a with a fast ship. Mm, yeah. Although I I will so I I talked about this a little bit at I think was it the was it at the first movies by minutes gathering or it was one of them where we were you know we were which uh, Star Wars minute Indiana Jones minute we got together we talked about other things that Harrison Ford was in. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about this scene in particular because I was a I'm obsessed with it but then when I dug into it I I my 
my mind was blown my earth was shattered because more so at the time although definitely now so i was very stodgy about my star wars and i'm like only you know like all these special edition changes need to go like a movie came out in theaters like don't change it once it's out it's out you can't touch it yeah and in doing the research for that i discovered that when american graffiti first came out in theaters this was not in there this was one of the cuts that universal universal for some reason was like all right take out these couple of these like three or four things which cut like you know three or four minutes from the movie and didn't make any sense unless maybe it was a rights issue that they were worried about that they didn't want to pay for or something like that <laughs> that the fact that my my favorite part of well on paper my my favorite part of the movie is in fact a special edition change made me a little bit uh, question my values <laughs> and i was wondering because i didn't see it when i was reading through the script to kind of correlate with my notes i'm like where this is not in the script so that yeah that makes yeah that was one of the makes yeah. sense that they added it in <laughs> well i mean it, yeah it was in there and it was filmed and then when they showed it to what is it universal that they um you know they wanted to take a few things out so it was intended to be in there but then uh, again all the same excuses you know like yeah so was the job of the hut scene you know so was the big scene it's like, <laughs> all right, i get it yeah it was intended to be in there but um at least there's at least the the they didn't add any effects to this or anything like that you know? yeah yeah that oh man if i'm watching it on tv or whatever i always forget the java scene and in the motion picture and i'm always like oh it always sneaks up on me i'm like gosh dang it <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's disappointing sometimes when it happens <laughs> so i like in in here when it kind of starts off and uh we hear all that screaming that kind of yeah i was like oh and they don't react at all it's just you know i don't know if they see what's happening or you know if it's just shenanigans happening <laughs> while people are cruising yeah, I mean, I think it's a good, um, you know, representation of just like, oh, there's all the stuff going on around around you. And it's, you know, it's not, not something that necessarily needs to be investigated. It's just a noisy. And, and, it, and it fits really well with the, to kind of underscore the, the, the amount of stuff not happening in the car before that, you know, because that's her, um, you know, Laurie's, Laurie's is, you know, I, I know I said the, the Milner thing was kind of my favorite storyline when I watched those last, but definitely Laurie, like, you know, was was most improved from the last, like, you know, I barely remembered her, her arc. And that's, that's, you know, definitely a, a shortcoming of George Lucas as a whole. But, um, but she's totally, you know, like, like, sympathetic and, and, and interesting in this whole movie. And then and she has this, you know, her, her you know, long term boyfriend that she figured she was going to be with forever is just kind of like, yeah, we're going to go, you know, see other people. I'm not going to, you know, stay our, our, with the relationship that we had, we're not going to keep up with that when I go to college, right? And she's, you know, pissed off. And so she's, you know, reacting and it was like, fine, I'm going to go, like, when you see other people, I'm going to go just go jump in this guy's car because he's dangerous and, and here's adventure. I'm going to go search for adventure. And she just hops in this car and there's so nothing happening the whole time. They, they don't click at all. There's nothing in it. And this, this minute as a whole, just, well, this, this segment, it's not quite a minute, but it. Yeah, exactly. It totally nails that so well that it's just like, oh, okay, like this is the again. I said I know I said the last one was the crux of the movie, but this is also that's like going, you know, searching for something that isn't necessarily there. Saying like, oh, I'm just gonna go out and do, you know, exciting things just to live a little, but doesn't really mean much if you don't find what you're looking for. And that's why I love their kind of relationship and how this minute just the long silence with with everything <laughs> everything that's going on is going on outside. There's people screaming and shouting and and you know outside is interesting, but in here it's just like kind of like nobody knows what to say. It's awkward. Very yeah, and I do like that because you know especially after 
he try you know steve tries the whole something to remember me by line and that's kind of it you know that's what gets him a big boot and yeah and i i like because uh especially in the script you know she she gets in falfa's truck and you know he's like hey hey what do you say and uh she's pretty much like no you know i don't want to say any like nothing i don't want just the sh- the less you have to say the better <laughs> yeah and so that that that's what is very gets me to appreciate like you said the inside you know inside versus outside because it is very palpable and awkward silence and and i think and it makes me think like you know that's one of those awkward silences especially with someone you really don't know at all it's like you know when if you're hanging out with a friend and you know they have um their friend from somewhere else and all of a sudden you're in the room alone you're just like oh so hey (laughs) it's that kind of awkward silence so that makes me think that harrison ford is like well you know what can i do to uh (laughs) make this less awkward oh i know i'll just i'll break out into show tunes (laughs) yeah yeah which is such an interesting choice for I know. On on multiple levels. It's like the character, like why why would Bob why would cool guy Bob Falfa be I mean, you know, cool was different, you know, rock and roll was still kind of a new thing and so it wasn't always, you know. But um it's such a weird kind of a weird choice. I was looking up trying to figure out if it was, you know, well well it's a weird if there was an iteration of it that was on the charts like in in 62, but I don't I don't see one. Yeah, I and, didn't either. And and but he's he's really obviously doing the the uh, Ezio Pinza uh, like the original Broadway cast recording version of it like he's yeah he's just nailing it he's doing like a dead on impersonation of it which is could be that that is like oh I I you know maybe gr- growing up he heard his parents playing it and then he managed a, a good impersonation of it so he's testing out his material you know essentially yeah that could but it it's such a it's such a like out of the blue, which is part of why I love it. It's, it's so like no nobody knows what to say, so I'll just sing something, but not in a you know not something that makes sense, and I'm not going to preface it. And there's no kind of hint of like any other character or actor it could be you know it could be a little bit like awkward in this, but he's not. He's just it's total like bluster and not trying to be cool, and nor is it making anything cool. It's just what he decided to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not even that. You don't even get the feeling that he's really trying to impress Laurie either. It's just like to me, it reads literally as it's too quiet in here. (laughs) Yeah, it's like let me fill the space with something. Yeah, I am very impressed with his voice, though. I mean, just uh... (laughs) oh yeah, well, and and it is. It's literally like it's so. And again, the first couple of times that you know I saw it, I just thought it was him doing a funny, just singing it. But then it's like it's it's dead on for the. original Broadway one, the Enzo Pinza one. Mm-hmm. So he's, it is almost like doing a, you know, like doing a, a an impersonation. You know, he's almost doing like a, and I guess that would have been still, you know, again, pop culture moved more slowly. So like oh, the yeah. movie, the movie version of South Pacific came out in 1958. So if this is 62, it, you know, within, it's like, you know, us referencing something that came out in you know, 2006 or whatever, 2008. Yeah. Which, you know, it's still current and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be totally random and out of the, out of the blue i'm trying to think of what you know what would that be like i like what 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 were the popular what came out in 2006 i have no idea or no 2016 wait i know because right, it's, it's that cl- i see i time means nothing anymore no it does not <laughs> i don't know i'm like 
you know, it's like, well, Rogue One, there you go. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like he was as if he was suddenly doing a thing from Rogue One, a bit from Rogue Captain America, Civil War. <laughs> so it's not, it's not like he was digging up something randomly old, but, uh, oh, there you go, La La Land, that was the, that, that year. Yeah. I don't know. I still love it. it it's, it's bizarre and wonderful. And, and just that, that little, having that little snippet of it in there totally is perfect. I, I do really want to know what, what the genesis of this whole scene was that was that, you know, how much of it was written, how much of it was just kind of random. Cause, cause looking at them too, the sure her reaction is, is fantastic. I know I, I love her reaction. <laughs> I have been talking a lot about, you know, Harrison Ford's performance and his, his uh, dead on impersonation, but also like her reaction totally sells it. Cause she's not, I, I have no idea how she was keeping a straight face, but then also <laughs> just kind of awkwardly squirming and grabs the little, you know, the handle by the door. She's kind of like, oh, gosh, like, what, what? Like, yeah. what did I get myself into? Get me out of here. <laughs> and it does make you wonder if it's just one of those random, I don't want to say like outtakes, but random takes. Yeah. That happened. And then it was just one of the, a genius take. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how much, you know, any of this was. You know, re- reading about the behind the scenes of it, it seems like he, you know, things kept changing a lot as to far as the tone of the movie and what it was going to be. And, it, you know, it's only a second movie ever. Yeah. So it's no surprise that, you know, things were all over the place. And I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised at all to learn that any of it was, you know, kind of ad libbed, I- improved or, or just kind of developed on the on the scene. Because I know there's a couple lines of Debbie's earlier in the movie that she flubs, Hmm. but um, George Lucas kept those takes because they seemed a lot more real and natural coming from that character. I think when one of them is in the, oh, when they go to buy booze. Right. I think she was always kind of mad about it, but it does, I mean, for that character especially, it seems natural and that helps a lot with the, with the movie yeah i mean there, there should be you know people people talk and people people have they've they've flubbed their words in life sometimes and so i think that more natural and you know again that's a thing that was you know there was a big push you know a young hollywood thing towards a more natural um naturalistic you know representation of stuff so i wonder if that was how much of that was uh intentional like oh it'll make it more human if i i'm not going to do a george lucas impersonation but how much of that was him saying yeah it'll make it more you know personal and more human if we just leave it in there and how much of it was just like well i don't feel like doing it again it'll be cheaper if we don't do it again and uh you know hey there's this whole uh, kind of more naturalistic you know film thing that i can point at if i if i need to explain myself and we talk about Lori and her reaction and she throughout this whole movie she has good not just physical acting but facial acting in this scene and yeah at the hop when um steve is telling off the uh teacher and her face in that you know she goes from kind of laughing along with steve to you know dead serious when the teacher looks over at her because she still has a whole year to go <laughs> she can't afford to be to be uh, suspended from school <laughs> yeah but she just has great physical and facial acting i think yeah i was wondering why she like like why granted Small sample size. I'm not, you know, I, I haven't gone back to watch, you know, Laverne and Shirley or anything else with her in it for a while. But like, oh, like, yeah. why isn't she more popular? Why isn't she more famous? Why isn't she bigger than she is? Because she's great in most of the things that I seem to recall her oh, yeah. um, being in. 
So I don't know what, uh, I feel like I've looked this up now before, because I, when I clicked, like, when I go, I'm like, oh, what's up with Cindy Williams? And I look, and some of the things have been clicked on already. They're purple in my Wikipedia. It's like, oh, okay, wait, have I gone down this rabbit hole again uh, before recently? Because it seems like she was in a bunch of stuff into, uh, like, American Graffiti, like, especially now, like, American Graffiti, the conversation, like, then, then maybe it's, a, was it just Laverne and Shirley? Just, did she just get kind of locked into that? And then by the time that was over, that was nobody, nobody wanted people from Laverne and Shirley. I mean, uh, um, you know, Penny Marshall had a secondary career, but that was more of a director. I don't, she didn't kind of act as much. Maybe, maybe it was just the, she was too locked into that role. Thanks. Hmm. She has like little, I mean, you know, one, one bits on different shows or like a lot of the things like in that she does. Like in Happy Days, it has her here, but she's listed as Shirley Feeney from Laverne and Shirley. So it's a crossover of characters. Yeah, it's it's outside of playing herself or playing, you know, Shirley. She wasn't do much. But I, I have to assume that that's it. But, that you know, I want to go back and, and you know, alter history. And make her, like I was wondering why there's you can watch the audition tapes, you know, of, of her auditioning for the part of Princess Leia. And I was like, well, why didn't why didn't they go that way? Like, was there something else going on? Was she she was too busy doing what? Like or she maybe they just didn't, you know, they, he didn't want to repeat himself. Maybe he in George Lucas's head. He was like, I don't want to make American Graffiti in space. I'm not going to use the same actors. Oh, yeah. Because he didn't, you know, he didn't want Harrison Ford in it. He just had Harrison Ford there to read against people as they were auditioning. And then by the end, they realized that nobody was as good as he was. So I was I, I don't know. I want to see what, I want to go alter history and uh, and give Cindy Williams a better better career. I'm not that, I'm, I'm sure she's, you know, most people don't get to be Shirley. No. So I'm sure she's, you know, she's grateful for what she got, but I think she could have been more. Yeah. Go back and have her get the part of Princess Leia. See where that yeah. takes her. <laughs> and I know I talked before about, I mean, obviously Harrison Ford is in this as Bob Falfa, but could you make a case where, I guess, you know, where John Milner can kind of be the Han Solo of this movie if it was Star Wars on Earth, I guess, if we're totally doing a role reversal. Because he has his uh, 32 Ford Coupe, you know, his yellow truck, and he has made some some modifications on it, and he does before the big race, you know, so it's his truck. He's made a few special modifications himself, That kind, and he kind of has that, uh, oh, and I had it written down too earlier in the movie at the very beginning, he calls Kurt Professor. <laughs> he doesn't true. ask to plug Kurt in, but he just calls him Professor. I think just because of him winning that scholarship, the Moose Scholarship. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's a slightly different. It's like, what if I, I'm going to say he's more like I don't know, because like uh, you know, Han Solo left. Han Solo went out there and had a life. You know, he 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 didn't stick around. I, I think you know, having uh, having just not too long ago listened to. Uh, the Star Wars radio drama, the original NPR Star Wars radio drama, and where those scenes, those those American graffiti and space scenes are, uh, you know, they're left in to devote a whole episode basically to, you know, Luke hanging out with his pals on Tatooine before anything gets started. Fixer is definitely the kind of Milner a little bit because he's, you know, he gives Luke a hard time and they have a little antagonistic relationship, but he's... Um, or maybe it's you know because Biggs leaves too. Yeah, I, I it's, it's closest to Fixer, although Fixer doesn't. They don't. They didn't give Fixer the heart of golds. <laughs> they saved that for uh, Han Solo. They transplanted it. It was a heart of gold transplant. 
<laughs> and I know they tried to say when I was reading, or they tried to base the whole dice and the falcon on Bob Falfa and his truck, but right. especially in this scene, you clearly see that it's a skull. He has a skull on his right. rear mirror. Right. That's a pretty, what's well, a pretty cool looking skull? <laughs> skull too. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if they, um, I don't know, would that make it too, it takes away from the heart of gold, sorry, if you have a skull. I think I know. <laughs> I, I think we need the, there needs to be the Star Wars Bob Falfer. There needs to be like the, basically like a dark Han Solo Ooh, yeah. character would be a good guy to introduce who's like not, you know, he's kind of like the Han Solo, but he is not. He doesn't have the heart of gold. He doesn't come back <laughs> to the rebellion. I, who that, I don't know. Would you, would he be an alien? No, I don't know. I mean, you can't really focus too much on him. He's just got to be an extra character to somebody else. You know what I mean? You can't, I don't know. I'll think about it. And it's funny thinking about all the uh, the cars from this movie. I'm trying to find my note. Because I think basically, especially the uh, Impala that Steve drives, they tried to sell but it sat on the movie lot for a long while before finally selling. Oh, right. But I don't think a lot of the cars here, but yeah, I don't think a lot of them were, like, were up for like resale or they kind of just were for movie purposes only. <laughs> yeah, I've, I remember seeing something about how they're not, I mean, I, you know, times are different. And, you know, George Lucas wasn't George Lucas. So like for them to be going totally like that, the, the cars were just kind of like, they had a hard time getting rid of them essentially right and so you're right so like now now that's unheard of it's like wait the car like the cars from a movie like are totally uh uh, uh you know from a george lucas movie especially like why why weren't those go for you know millions of dollars now but it's like well he wasn't him he wasn't george lucas you know in quotes and and also it was a low budget movie and also like you know we weren't star wars hasn't ha hadn't happened yet so like collectability hadn't taken the weird curve that it did yeah because it says the Steve's car sat on the movie studio after for a uh, some time after the film was completed. It was sold via a newspaper listing to a young man in his late teens or early twenties for a few hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. And he kept the car, but he didn't really change much about the car. Mm. Whether he kept up on like maintenance and stuff, but well, <laughs> remains to be seen. But. Yeah, it's just funny thinking about I, I one thing I always love about watching, especially the car scenes, is just the visuals of the vehicles themselves and how unique they are. And I, I just try and imagine today driving one of those around. Yeah. And it just they're so like they're just so long and so boat they're like boats almost i think just watching them take turn uh, take a turn is oh wow <laughs> yeah well i think we're about to enter in another speculation but i think we're about to enter into a new age of car culture as electric cars become more of a thing and and become more kind of grassroots and not right now it's it's like a weird kind of closed box and nobody you know people don't really have um they don't do much modification and stuff but i think they're about to do more of that and there's going to be a a big push towards you know taking old cars like you know the like the hot rod kind of scene you know it's like oh people took old cars that weren't in demand anymore and souped them up to make them you know fancier and run run like crazy. So I think that's going to be going on with this, that people are going to be taking old cars that nobody really wants. Um, not necessarily this old, because, you know, it's it's 50 years later. So it's, you know, there'd be a, but like, but, you know, kind of, you know, junky 80s and 90s cars, at least. 
I think there's going to be a whole thing of taking those and and you know replacing the engine with an electric motor and uh, and making this like kind of weird new version of hot rods. I can see. I hopefully not the Pinto or the Pacer. <laughs> Just fingers crossed on on. <laughs> I did see my first, and I mean, I guess for where I live, it's like wow, you know, because it's small town Northwest Ohio. I saw my first uh, electric. Car, like the Ford Mustang electric car that they okay. had. Yeah. And I, I guess to this day, it kind of bamboozles me because, I mean, yeah, it's cool. It's electric, but it's like, it's it's a Mustang. It's a muscle car. <laughs> you don't want to, I mean, come on. <laughs> you live for that, rev, you know, engine rev and that sound. Not like yeah. the... <laughs> Well, so they, they should just add a thing where it can make that sound, but I know, you know, out of, coming out of big speakers on the sides or whatever. <laughs> Dude, it's it's got you know one of the cars that we have here is electric, and it it um it's got amazing pickup, and I think that once people get and this is turning into an infomercial for electric cars, but I think, it is. I, I think it's <laughs> enough that it'll be a thing that uh, I think there's enough for car people to get into once once the kind of. I'm not, I'm not going to say curmudgeonly, but once the people who are kind of stuck on like, oh, it needs gas, like once those start to not uh, not have as much control, once they start to open up or 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 kind of seed the seed the floor to the the people who are who are just kind of grassroots and into it, I think it's going to be a thing. So we're going to get another American Graffiti in 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 a couple of years. <laughs> oh man, I better watch the sequel then. I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it either. I've just I've been told it's not great. So that's what I've heard too. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that covered all my notes as much as I hate to leave this this little segment here. <laughs> Did you have anything additional? Um no. That's uh that was mainly it. I'm glad I got to uh glad I got to talk about some enchanted evening. And I, as a result, I will be walking around singing it for the next couple of days. My kids will be sick of it. It it is very it's a, you're a little bit of a an earworm the more <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, can you tell listeners where where to find you and your many works? Uh, mainly PeteTheRetailer.com. You can get to everything. You can get to Star Wars Minute, uh, where we go through every minute of every Star Wars movie. You can get to ABCDTOS. We go alphabetically through all the original series of Star Trek. Go to ABC Devo, where we went alphabetically through all the Devo songs. Alphabetical, we went alphabetically through all the Beatles songs. You'd think I'm obsessed with the alphabet. but <laughs> It's a good thing to know. It's just a different way of looking at things. <laughs> kind of off topic, but I I always like to look on the Funko Pop site just to see what uh, what they have, what's coming, and they have a couple of Devo Funko Pops. I was kind of like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, tempting. I've seen. I, I know it's. You know, I, I think I, there's like one or two. I, I've only got maybe one or two Funko Pops, but I know if I if I start to get if I start to dive into it too much, it's, I've seen it. I've seen it take over people's lives. So I don't want to go. I want to be careful. All right. Well, listeners to this podcast can find us on Facebook at Mel's Listeners Drive-In and catch us back here for another episode of American Graffiti, one song at a time. He's really fast, isn't he?